This is Profit Talks, a podcast produced by Hayek Global College and dedicated to exploring how you can ethically maximize profits. For more episodes, please visit hayekcollege.com slash profit. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur best known for founding Wizard English School, the biggest franchising of English language schools in the world, which he sold for 2 billion reais, over $700 million in 2013. He is now dedicated to other businesses in the education and food industry, and he is also author of several books, the latest one being Refugees, a mission of faith and love, where he tells the story of his humanitarian mission to assist refugees from the Venezuelan to the Brazilian border. So our listeners, please welcome Carlos Wizard Martins. Carlos, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Well, thanks for the invitation. And at this time, I would like to say to everyone that God gave me the blessing to have the time the capacity, the energy, and also the disposition to spend time in social works. And especially, as you mentioned, helping refugees within the last two years. Excellent. I'm, I'm very glad you're doing this very good work. And I will just quickly show here two of his books. I have here the, the biography of uh, Mr. Carlos, which is a great book. This is the version in Portuguese, but I believe you also have it in English, right? And I have the Kindle version of your latest book, which is right. in, in English, it's Refugees of Mission of Faith and Love, but that's the Portuguese version right there. That's correct. And this book, Refugees, a Mission of Faith and Love, it's available either on the Amazon or you can also download it through www.saverefugees.net.br. Excellent. We will uh, put the link in the description so you can also uh, access it there. Great. So, Carlos, um, today you are a billionaire and one of the most successful businessmen in Brazil. But it wasn't always that way. Right, you you come from very humble origins in Curitiba, Paraná, and would you please tell us a little bit about your story? Well, I come from a family of seven children. I am the oldest, and my dad was a truck driver. My mom was a seamstress, and when I was 12 years old, I think a major change happened in our family because at that time, my parents already with seven small children, they were looking for a new path of faith. They said that the world had too much opposition, there was too much confusion, and with seven small children, they needed a faith that they could raise the children. And at that time, they met with the missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mostly known as the Mormons, and with those young American missionaries, I started learning English. And at that time, they said something that really changed my perspective of the world. They said, Carlos, you're very young, but one day you have the chance to go to the United States, study in Utah at Brigham Young University, a university only operated by the church. 
and that became my dream. But as I said, my dad was a truck driver, my mom was a seamstress. How could I expect that one day I would have this chance? But thanks to the support and the help from those young American missionaries at the right time, at the right uh, occasion, I was admitted at Brigham Young University. Fantastic. And you you were admitted to Brigham University, and I believe that's in Ohio, right? Where, where you That's went? in the state of Utah. Utah, that's right. And and how was your experience in the United States? Well, I can, I can say today that it completely changed my perspective on the world, because as I entered university, I started interacting, and I started um, having connections with people from all over the world. And that expanded, expanded my vision, understanding, and my potential and possibilities. So today, I couldn't imagine what my future career would be like if I had never gone to the United States, studied an American institution, and in such a way, the, uh, achieve a higher education from a higher institution as BYU. Fantastic. And how, how was the beginning, Carlos? Did you feel when you first got to the university that you were outside your comfort zone? Well, I must say that I was admitted only at the age of 26 years old. If you promise that you're not going to post this information <laughs> on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, I will share with you a personal secret. When okay. I was in high school, when I was still getting ready to go to the university, I was a, a very bad student. <laughs> I was a terrible student. My grades, they were awful. So when I arrived in my first semester at the university, uh, somehow I thought that my understanding and my ability to deal with those new classes was going to change immediately, but that did not happen. So after my first semester, when I got my grades, they really were bad grades. And at that moment, I must say to you, I really decided to abandon. I thought this is too hard. Uh, maybe it was an illusion to think that I would come to the United States to get an education. I think that I'm going to quit. So I walked home holding my grades, just like a child goes back home to show his grades to his mom and dad. Because I knew I had to face my wife, Vanya, <laughs> and she had high expectations of her husband. So when I got home, I showed the grades to her and said, Vanya, I'm sorry to say, but my grades, they were terrible. But don't worry, honey, I already know what I'm going to do to solve this problem. And immediately she said, you know what you're going to do in order to raise your grades? I said, no, honey. I'm going to quit. Um, we are going to go back to Brazil. So at that moment, at that moment, I found out who I was married with. Because she said, Carlos, you don't tell me that we made such a great sacrifice 
we made such a great effort for you to come here to the United States. And you were planning to give up right at the first semester. And at that time, I had already two uh, small boys. And then she said, imagine what the children are going to say about their dad. <laughs> and then she made a big challenge. She said, listen, Carlos, you came to this university in order to graduate. And until you graduate, we are not going back to our country. <laughs> so I knew at that moment that I had no way out. It was whether graduation or graduation, there was no other exit. Fantastic. And you were a computer science major, right? That That's correct. Computer science, statistics major. And I, I was not really prepared to face the hardships, the challenges, and all the demands of those classes. But thanks to the support of my dear wife, I believe that at that moment, I took the courage and the decision and the determination to go through. Fantastic. And you went through college and then you, you got a job in the United States, right? What happened afterwards? So this is something also that I'm not very proud to share with, but since we are not very closed and reserved atmosphere, well, I will share with you. After my graduation, the admission, not admissions, it was the advisory, advisory office. They helped me prepare 100 resumes. And they said, Carlos, you must choose those companies that you really like to work that have a location in Brazil. And then I found 100 companies that had a branch in Brazil. And I prepared in those days, there was no internet, there was no email, there was nothing. So I prepared 100 letters, 100 envelopes, 100 stamps, and I walked to the post office to post each and every one of those letters. And of course, I was very enthusiastic and I was optimistic. I would, would have many offers and that I could choose which company I would work. Well, one week passed by, no answer. Second week passed by, no answer. The third week, answers start coming. And as I opened those envelopes, they fell basically in three categories. The first was pretty much like this. Uh, Carlos Martins, we appreciate your resume. We inform you that we don't have any opening. Thanks for contacting us. That was first category. Category two, Carlos Martins, thanks for your contact. At this time, we don't have any opening at our company. But in the event, in case an opening will appear, we will contact you. Okay, that was the second uh, category. And the third, and the third was the one that I most expected. And I need to say to you, from 100 letters, just one letter came with a positive response. It said basically this, Carlos Martin, we evaluated your resume. We really liked what you have done in school. We have an opening and we would like to interview. Can you come to the headquarters of the company in Ohio, Cincinnati for a personal interview? Wow, I think at least one out of a hundred 
came positive. And that really was a dream come true because they paid all my transportation to Ohio. There was a car at the airport waiting for me. They drove me to the hotel. And the next day, there was an agenda with several interviews from morning, lunch, until afternoon. And then, at the end of that serious sequence of interviews, I was interviewed by the president of Champion International. And he said one thing that never left my mind. He said, the right person at the right place at the right time has a great value. Congratulations, you are hired. Wow, I thought that I was really on the clowns. I was really excited about that final, those final words from that president. I immediately called my wife and gave, gave her the great news. Because indeed, it was her marriage. If it weren't for her, maybe, for sure, I would never be hired at that place. Fantastic. And uh, so you, you, you worked at this company there at Champion, but then you came back to Brazil right after that, right? And uh, how was the transition for you coming to the United States and coming back to Brazil? So I worked in Ohio for a year, and after a year, the company transferred to Brazil in a location near Sao Paulo, where I worked for another year. And then that was, uh, I was at the time 30 years old, and I started thinking if my future as a executive would be working in several companies, or maybe if I would have my own company. So that was a moment of soul searching, a moment of many questions, a moment that I start asking, really, what was the purpose for having all that preparation and now being at this company? So the answer came one day when my supervisor called me in his office and he said, Carlos, I'd like to talk to you uh, privately and uh, we know that you are a great employee, you contribute a lot to the company, you're among the top leaders here. And really, I thought at that moment that I was, I was being promoted. I thought I was going to get a raise. But then he concluded saying, unfortunately, our company is going through some bad times and some people have to go, and your name is on the list of those that will be dismissed. My goodness, I could not believe that I had gone to the United States. I had been trained for a year in the headquarters of the company, transferred to Brazil, and after a year, I was being fired. I have a collection of quotes, and one of the quotes says this. Sometimes, to some people, the best thing that can happen is being dismissed by the company where they work for. So at that moment, having already married, having twins, uh, they are approximately five, six years old, my wife was pregnant, I had to start thinking, what can I do in order to support my young family? Well, I had studied in the United States for several years, so the immediate uh, 
instantaneous answer said, well, you can teach some English classes. And there were some friends that asked me, Carlos, can you teach us English uh, during the evening? So why not? I started thinking, if I can start teaching now, at least I have something that will help me get by during these bad times. And in this way, I started teaching in my home. One student, two students, three students. And then one class, two classes, three classes. Up to the moment that every day of the week, I had a student or a class to teach. And all of a sudden, I was earning more money teaching English in my home than I was receiving uh, back then when I was employed at that American corporation. So I make a brief pause now because sometimes we have a talent, we have a potential, we have an ability, but we ourselves, we cannot envision so uh, all the future perspective of that talent or opportunity. And this is exactly what happened to me. At that moment, all that I could think of was really, I was trying to get by. I really didn't know what my future was going to be. For me at the moment, teaching English was just to make ends meet. And for you to have an idea, uh, even though I was teaching and I was being well paid for teaching, I started thinking what project in life I could make so that I could really have a satisfactory future. So I took a piece of paper and pen with my wife and we started making some possibilities, some writing down some projects. Project one, two, three. We had approximately 10 different projects. Number 10 was teaching English. So you see, it was down the list. It was the least important of all the projects. But then on the 1st of May of 1987, the whole story changes. And now I'm going to share with you what happened on that day. I was living in Sao Paulo. My parents still lived in Curitiba and it was holiday, 1st of May, Brazilian holiday. So we were driving from Sao Paulo to Curitiba. I was driving, my wife and the three kids in the back seat. And while I was driving, my wife was sleeping, as usually happens. But my eyes were on the road, but my thoughts, they're up in the sky just thinking and thinking and thinking about that list of 10 projects. And as I drove and as I thought, I started meditating and in a way, I was seeking inspiration from God. I watched many times the movie, The Fiddler on the Roof, which tells the story of Telvia, how he lived in the old Russia and how he wanted to leave that environment and move to America. And at that, at some point of the movie, he looks at the sky and he starts a conversation with God. My God, what would happen if I were a rich man? Would I spoil your plans? And at that moment, I felt exactly like Tevye because I had already gone to America, I had returned, but I was really desperate because I didn't know how I could have a real success in my future. And then I asked, my God, 
what what can I do in order to have a small fortune? And then as I drove and as I pondered and I was seeking an answer, an inspiration came to me. Carlos, the answer to your question are those English lessons that you are teaching. And I must admit that I was not a bit impressed because I thought, I'm teaching already, but can those classes make me rich, prosperous, self-sufficient with financial independence? And as I drove and as I continued to ponder and in a way to pray, asking God for inspiration, the inspiration came and said, but it's not only some English classes, it's a language school. But even so, I was not too impressed. I thought, somebody that owns an English school, a language school in itself, is he a rich man, prosperous, somebody that's wealthy? And as I drove my old car, and as I continued to seek the inspiration, the inspiration came and said, Carlos is not only a school, it's a chain of many, many schools. At that moment, I really was impressed. I stopped my car and said, Vanya, wake up. I know what we are going to do. And then she said, Carlos, Carlos, I'm still sleeping. What we are going to do, when, how? I said, we are going to open a chain of English schools. And then she just put her head on the side and said, my husband is really crazy. He's a dreamer. <laughs> and I continued to drive my old car. Well, dear friends, today I'm here to share with you that thanks to that inspiration that came on that 1st of May of 1987, I completely perspect of this uh, education activity changed because as I talked in this moment of inspiration, I asked, my God, but how can I do this? It's too big for me. And then a verse from the scripture, a verse from the Bible came to my mind. Matthew 7, 7. Seek, and you shall find. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. So I knew, I knew at that time that if I really wanted, I would have a source of inspiration, a source of wisdom, a source of knowledge. And that has been my story through these years. Many times, at different moments, I had to go back and said, and now, what shall I do? And I still remember that promise, Matthew 7, 7. Before we continue this podcast, let's run a quick ad on Hayek Global MBA. Let me give you a good news. During the past century, on average, import tariffs have fallen drastically all over the world, making it ever more globalized. Commerce has risen, walls have fallen, and nations have become more connected as people enjoy higher living standards. It also means there's a lot of opportunities for those who can connect businesses, people, and cultures from different countries. How do you prepare yourself for this new world? One easy answer is, 
take some time off and go get an international MBA at an Ivy League university. But we know this is easier said than done, as you may have several constraints such as your family, a job, and it also costs a lot of money. What if you had an option of taking a part-time global MBA course officially accredited by the Ministry of Education in Brazil, which is one, truly international with top-notch professors and students coming from all over the world, two, practical, with a curriculum focused on developing the skills and competencies that will most closely match what you will need in the job market, and three, for a purpose where you will discover how to create the most value and improve people's lives through the practice of business with transparency and integrity, while also maximizing your profits. Welcome to Hayek Global MBA, a one-year online program designed to equip you with the tools to make a real difference in your company lead world-class teams, and ultimately contribute to a freer, more prosperous, and peaceful world. Let's talk. Please visit hayekcollege.com slash MBA. Fantastic. This is a, uh, a story that I, I, I would like to get three things here that I, that I noticed. First, um, you 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 went from a situation where you had a stable job and you lost that you completely uh, were were without uh, a stable income and and you ha you were unemployed and it reminds me of a quote that i heard i saw in a lecture once from bruce dickinson where he said all growth comes from a leap in the dark mm -hmm. so you first have to leap in the dark and you have no idea where you go and then that's where probably you're going to find some somewhere to grow and the second thing there was that you were at the driving the car and you uh stopped to think about the whole situation you took a step back wait let me take a look and see what's going on and that also happens to me in the shower sometimes you know, the moments of inspiration is when you're driving the car you're in the shower and you have some inspiration but then uh i i also wanted to to to, to add that probably the the, uh, the inspiration was only a small part, right? Because there's also a quote uh, from Thomas Edison that, that he says that uh, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% transpiration. Right? You probably had a lot of work <laughs> after that. And the third thing is just uh, the idea of dreaming big, right? You had a crazy dream at some point. It's like, why? I just have a couple of students. What? Your, your, your wife was probably thinking, my husband's crazy. Like you said, <laughs> he's dreaming so big. But then after that, it's what happened now is his history. Right? You created this fantastic thing. And you're completely right because... Uh, at the moment, I was thinking and acting as a teacher, and at that moment, I knew that Brazilian teachers, they don't earn much, so I thought to myself, I need to establish a financial goal for myself, if this is going to be my lifetime job. So, I started thinking, Brazilian teachers, maybe they earn 1000 2000 3000 per month, AIs. Uh, then I thought, my goal is to earn 10,000 reais, which was a fortune. And so I started teaching, just you said, 
uh, all the time, the morning, the afternoon, evening, Monday through Saturday, every day of the week, until the moment that I was earning what I had imagined. But at that moment, I was happy on one side, but was unhappy on the other side. I was happy because the goal that I had established to myself, I had achieved. But I started thinking, what's going to happen if Carlos and his wife and the kids go traveling for one month? What's going to be the income at the end of the month? Zero. What happens is Carlos, uh, by any chance, gets sick. And for an entire month, he cannot work. What's going to be the income at the end of the month? Zero. So, I, so at that time, I started thinking that I need to have a system that allowed me to expand my teaching ability with and through other teachers so that they can use the methodology, the brand, the system, the books and the materials, and I would have some participation in their income. So at that moment, I established another goal. As you think, uh, I was a teacher, so I started thinking as a teacher, and I thought I need to have 100 teachers to be part of the system. And if I have a chain of 100 teachers using this methodology and using this material and using this system, I'll be the happiest entrepreneur in the country. <laughs> and after a few years, I really had 100 teachers as part of this chain. But again, I was happy on one side. I was unhappy on the other aspect. Happy because I had achieved my goal, but unhappy because some of those teachers, they only were pleased, satisfied with having few uh, students, maybe five, 10, 15 students, they were already satisfied. I was not, but they were happy. So at that moment, I had again to change my direction to change my perspective. So at that moment, I decided that my future business partners, they were not teachers. Because really, indeed, in fact, teachers are great professionals for education. They can teach a brilliant class, they can inspire students, but they don't always have the marketing perspective. They don't have a business mind. So at that point, I decided that the qualifications in order to be a member of the chain would have to be somebody with uh, capacity to have funds to invest, capacity to expand the business, capacity to have a very huge place uh, that could hold many, many students, the ability to promote and to mark the system so that the wizard schools really would have a place of um, distinction in the market. So from that moment on, I can say to everyone that the system really took off, prospered, and uh, became the country, and in time became the largest chain of language schools in the world. Fantastic. Uh... 
did, when you when you thought about getting the entrepreneurs instead of counting on the English teachers, was there a model like this already that you were benchmarking, or did you came up come up with that solution by yourself? Well, 1987, indeed, is a very important year in Brazil business environment because at Curiosity that moment, is the year that I was born. Oh, great! <laughs> so you're twin brother with wizard, <laughs> and I have a daughter, Thais Michelle. Ta, uh, she also was born in '87. Great! This is so, a fantastic year. <laughs> at that year, in Brazil. We had the institution of the Brazilian Franchise Association, which means that from that moment on, the franchising system in the country started being more and more developed, started being more and more uh, accepted. And at the same time, people took a real interest in the system. So in a way, I can say that the wizard schools and the franchising system in Brazil they grew side by side. Great. Uh, Carlos, I will go to another topic here. Uh, once I saw a lecture uh, of yours and you you were saying to an audience of Brazilians, and it, it's something that really um, talked to me because I had international experience. I, I also studied in the United States and then I came back to Brazil and you were saying uh, that it's very important that you know, people have to leave their their comfort zone, leave their country, go to to another place, study abroad, you know. And after you have that experience, you come back to your own countries, and then you start uh, working to 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 help your community and and grow your business in, in a place where where you came from. And I wanted to explore with you why do you think international experience is so important? Well, that's a great question. And today, I always encourage our Brazilian. Uh, young people, if they have this chance, if they have this opportunity to go abroad, it doesn't matter if it's a year, two or three, if it's six months or the entire period from university, but I advise, I encourage, I recommend, I highly recommend, because when you leave this country and you go to Europe, you go to North America, you go to Asia, you really, what's happening, you're broadening your own horizons in a way that you start seeing things that you don't see in this country. You start understanding things that you don't understand in this country. You start having connections that you be, would be impossible if you just, just stayed here. So many times I ask myself, well, Carlos, if you had never gone to the United States, would you have developed such a system and have developed such a uh, large corporations that you have? Never would. So I really encourage and recommend highly to those that can afford and have this opportunity to go abroad. Fantastic. And why do you say that people should come back to their home country? Okay, great. I love that question. It really doesn't matter if you stay in the country that you went to get your education or if you go back because opportunities there are available in both uh, situations. But I believe that when you go back to your country, the opportunities are more available. You have large, uh, large perspective and people will value more 
because imagine if you go to Germany, competition in Germany is great. If you go to Japan, competition is really hard. Even the United States doesn't mean that you're not going to succeed in Germany or Japan or the United States. But if you have these qualifications, if you have this education and you come back to your country, everything around you is opportunity. So you will grow faster. You have better chance of developing and progressing and making success rather than you staying in the country where you got your education. Fantastic. And it's uh, on this perspective that we're also inspired in higher global college to connect people from different countries in our uh, education system. So uh, it's 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 uh, we very much agree with, with that uh, your point of view and uh, uh, and uh, very happy that to, to share this thought. Uh, I wanted to go to now to talk about your latest book. Um, I, I had the uh, the opportunity to see a, a, the, 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 a quote here that uh, I think summarizes pretty well uh, how you're you're feeling ab about um, the refugees and what was going on in the Venezuelan and Brazilian border. But I'm going to quote a passage here uh, from the book. You say that uh, above all, this book is about hope about the love I could find in the hearts of so many people who get together to change the life of others. About the love that moves people, this book is made of tears, of love, of the emotions that could no longer fit inside me. It's a cry for help, a cry of alert so that we don't remain indifferent when faced with a starving refugee. So I think this is pretty inspiring because you, um, or uh, uh, you're very rich, you have everything uh, that you could always dream of, but you were still uh, going to Horaima to spend your, 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 your time there with, with the refugees and helping there. So I wanted to ask you, how was your experience in, in Horaima? Well, first of all, I need to say that I again thank the support of my wife, because if it weren't for her, uh, it would be impossible to have left family and house and business and go by myself. So when I went, I went with my wife and also we have Nicholas. Nicholas he is our son and he has some degrees of autism. So that was one of the main motivations, the reasons that we, the three of us went together because we really wanted to give him that experience. And uh, I really believe that each and every one of us as entrepreneurs, after you have succeeded, after you have made a great impact, after you have achieved all the financial goals that you had in mind, you have a inner desire to share and contribute to society. And at that moment, we felt inclined to help refugees. For you to have an idea, every day in those days, 500 refugees cross the border each day. 500 today, 500 tomorrow, 500 oh. uh, refugees the, after, the day after. So we really needed 
to have some solutions in order to make arrangements for them to come to Brazil and have a, a condition to have a restart in their lives. And uh, I, I believe that you made a big difference in lives of so many people. I, I saw uh, that a number that you mentioned, there was around 12,000 people that migrated uh, from, from when you were there. And during this time, the entire operation called Operação Acolhida assisted approximately 30,000 people. But those that went through the program that I and my wife were conducting, uh, indeed was 12,000 people. So I agree with you. It was a great impact contribution in the lives of those refugees because they were sent out to the south, southeast and the middle east of Brazil where there are companies that offer job opportunities to these refugees where they have their own income. They are not on a condition that they're depending on the government or depending on churches or depending on any institution. We created a model where they can become self-sufficient. Fantastic. So you created a model where they could privately take care of themselves without having to count on the state or any other uh, institution. Um, turning to another question here, this uh, situation in uh, Venezuela, uh, it's, it's very complicated and, and, and complex and it, it comes a lot with, with uh, bad policy, bad politics. And I'm just asking a general question here. Um, if you had like a, a magic one and you could say, look, uh, the genie came to you and you, you, you could choose anything as to, to do a policy to change the legislation of Brazil and could apply in other countries too, in Latin America, Africa or anywhere that we need a, a better policy. What would you do? Well, this is a very hard question. <laughs> I have been interviewed for over 30 years and this week on another interview, the reporter asked me, Carlos, let me ask you a very uncommon question. I know that you're not a politician, but imagine for a moment that you became the president of Brazil. <laughs> what were the measures, the measures that you take as the new president? And you almost asked the same question. I didn't see that interview. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you first. I would get rid of all those companies that are now led by the government because there are over 600 companies in this country that are managed by the government. The government doesn't need those companies. They're not efficient. The results are not positive. This is not the function. This is not the purpose of the government to create companies and generate wealth. As a matter of fact, if they did so, I think it would be really appreciated. But uh, in fact, uh, they serve another purpose. So the first thing I would get rid of these companies. Second, I would invest hardly on education because I really believe that education is the main factor that can change an entire society. And third, I would invest hardly on uh, creating housing because Nowadays, unfortunately, we have more and more favelas. And when we have favelas, that uh, atmosphere 
that place, that community is not controlled by the government. Mm -hmm. It's con controlled by traffic dealers. So if the government don't reduce the, if they don't take measures to reduce this deficit of housing, what's really happening, the government is investing in creating more favelas and investing in creating more traffic dealers. So it's really a serious question. And I hope, really hope, that the government, federal government, will take the measures to reduce this deficit of housing in the country so that we can stop the number of new favelas and in this way uh, can offer more stability and security to the population. Yes, uh, good So for the next election, vote in Carlos Wilson as president <laughs> of Brazil. You have my vote. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's great points, uh, Carlos. We we have a a, a a a public of MBA students and aspiring MBA students, and if you were to give tips to people that are coming to to do an MBA or wish to do a, an MBA, and we have people from different countries in the world joining our program, what tips would you give to to people who are aspiring to make a difference in the world like you do? Okay, great. So look, every company, every corporation, every organization has problems. They all have problems. And when we are hired, we are hired to solve those problems. So if you have this mindset, if you have this mentality that the only reason why you're going to be hired is in order to solve problems of that company, your entire vision and perspective will change because you're not going to think so much of you, your bonus, the benefits, the stability that you will receive. And this is not important. You know why? Because the company will pay for you or any other professional much more money to those that are able to solve the company's problem. And if you have this perspective, vision, understanding, mentality, mindset, you're going to be a champion, going to be a hero. And this is why. Every day we see great executives that earn great money because they have this capacity of solving the problems of that corporation. So have a focus on the problems of the corporation and not your salary or what you... And this is going to be a consequence because if that company doesn't pay what you deserve, another company will pay. So this is secondary. The primary thing is what you can do in order to change the environment and the results of that company specifically. So focus on the company's problems and the company's results. I could summarize right. that. Thank you very much, Carlos. It was a, a pleasure talking to you today and I really wish you the best. And um, I'm really, again, inspired by the work you're doing in the Venezuelan border. And I'm a big fan of all your work. Well, thanks so much. And all those that desire, that wish, can have access to this book, whether in Portuguese or in English. Portuguese version is www.refugiados.net.br. In English, www.saverefugees.net.br. Thank you so Excellent. much. Thank you, Carlos. And the links are going to be on the description. And thank you very much for everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Profit Talks. Now, do you have
have any comments or other business related question? If so, please send us and we'll be glad to explore it in future episodes. Also be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. We are on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and many others.